0: Thank you, Brother Cole. We appreciate you leading our singing this evening. Brother Connors done a great job. Brother, I believe it's Brother Mullinix on uh, Sunday night. Uh, we appreciate uh, these men who have led us in our song service, and thank you so much. What a joy it has been uh, to be able to meet with you and to sing these songs of praise to God. And I, it's just a great joy to come together. Uh, to meld our hearts together in voices and lift them up to God in praise. Thank you very much. What a joy it has been. I want to again uh, express my appreciation to the elders, Brother Bull, to Brother uh, Gann, Brother Panther. Thank you so much uh, for the invitation that you extended to me to be with you this week. Uh, Janet and I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, Brother Mark and Sister Marlene have been gracious hosts. Uh, We thank them so much. What a joy it's been to be with Brother Cole uh, throughout this week and to meet you folks and to be a part uh, of the Midway Congregation. Uh, I've never been around this area much. Uh, I've been reading a great book about Brother Gus Nichols uh and now i know where carbon hill is and i know where midway is and uh it's just been a great joy to be with you I want to extend an invitation to you to come to the lithia springs congregation anytime we would be delighted to have you we are the nearest church of christ to six flags so uh if you are ever in the area to go to six flags and come and worship with us uh at lithia springs we have a lot of visitors uh, last year, we had, I think, these are people who registered. Now, uh, there are a lot of folks who come who do not fill out a card. But we had 400, I believe it was 439 cards that were filled out uh, in the year of 2018. So we have a lot of visitors. Now, it's kind of interesting because people, uh, you know, they come, uh, from places I have preached, held meetings or, or met them somewhere, maybe at Polishing the Pulpit, and unfortunately, now this, you, this might not apply to you, but unfortunately, sometimes I don't always remember their name. Now, I don't, you know, well, you know, I, that, I remember the fame. But anyway, I was holding a meeting in Houghton Lake, Michigan, uh, several years ago. Houghton Lake, if, if you look at Michigan, Michigan's like your hand. Uh, this is the lower peninsula, and then you've got Sault Ste. Marie in the upper peninsula. Houghton Lake is kind of right about in the middle. Oh, uh, at that time, we were living down in the Detroit area. So I was in Horton Lake and uh, holding a meeting, and, and I was on a Sunday evening, and a lady was there. She came out after the service and shaking hands, and she said, uh, Brother Acuff, do you know who I am? I said, mm, and, uh, I said, Ma'am, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know who you are. I'm, I'm sorry. I said, Who are you? She said, "If you don't know, I ain't going to tell you, and I still don't know to this day that's been a long time ago <laughs> but it was i thought about the, I thought about the young man he 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 was friends, maybe worked with an older gentleman, and so the older gentleman had invited the younger man to his home for dinner one evening, and so the young man went and and enjoyed the dinner together and So after the dinner, the wife of the older gentleman had excused herself to go into the kitchen. And the young man said to the older man, he said, you know, I I am just so impressed with how you refer to your wife. You you say, sweetheart and darling and precious. And he said, that just impresses me so much. The older man said, yeah, I I forgot her name five years ago. And so... uh, (laughs) You know, you never know. So if you come uh, and, and you say, you know what, you know who I am, Brother Acuff, if I tell you I don't know, please tell me your name. Uh, but we are delighted to have folks come and visit with us at Lithia Springs. Uh, you would always uh, be welcome. When you and I think about life, in the book of James chapter number 4, the Bible says, go to now you that say today or tomorrow that we'll go into such a city Continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Now, when you look just at that particular verse, there's a lot of interesting things in it. We're not going to go through everything there, but uh, notice he said uh, there. He, he's got a place that they're going. There's a go to now. You that say today or tomorrow, uh, you know that that is a time frame in which we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to go into such a city. That is a place. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to buy and sell. And that is what they're going to do. That is the, the product. That's what's going on. And he said, we're going to get gain. Now that's the profit. And so James says, go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we're going to such a city, continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. Now then the next verse says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. But if you say, and what we ought to say, if the Lord wills, now he mentions that in the next verse, but here's what he says, what is your life? It is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then it vanisheth away. In the book of Hebrews 9.27, of which I'm sure you're familiar with, the Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. When you and I look at this book of Psalms, number 90, the Bible says our years are three score years and ten and if by reason of strength they be fourscore score years. You go back to the Old Testament for an example and Job made this to him. He said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shovel. I believe it was Brother James Watkins who made this statement. He said from uh, about six years old to age 21, uh, it takes you about 600 years to get there. Then from 21 to 65, it takes you about five. And so uh, when you and I look at the time frame and we recognize just that Job said, look, my, my days are swifter than a weaver's shovel. Then you think of the words of David. David said life it's kind of like, he said, life is like water. You, you pour it out, on the, you can't get it back. You're, you're not going to be able to get it back. And so when you and I look at what James tells us, and he says, again, go to, you that say today or tomorrow, we'll go in such a city, buy sell sale, get gain, uh, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. What is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanisheth away. And he said, what that we ought to say, and that is, if the Lord's will, we will do this or that. When you and I look again in Psalm numbers 16, verse number 11, the Bible makes this statement. The Bible talks about the path of life. What about your path of life? It's kind of interesting. You know, you, you, I, I, I always talk to young people. I love, man, I love the exuberance. I love the enthusiasm. Uh, and I love I, I, uh, the wishful thinking, you know. I wish I was 21 again, you know, or 19 again. And I may talk to a young man or a young lady, and they're uh, halfway maybe through uh, university somewhere. They're halfway through college. And, and I'll say, look, what are you planning to do? Well, this doesn't happen very often, but occasionally they'll say, well, I don't know, you know. Uh, and now that's, not, that's not every one of them. But when you and I think of the words of David in the book of Psalm, and he, he uses this terminology, the path of life. And then when you and I go to the book of John, chapter number 10, notice that Jesus said in John 10, verse number 10, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Our Lord wants us to enjoy an abundant life. You know, when you look at John chapter number 10, Jesus gives a great illustration there. He says, the devil comes to rob and to steal. I remember several years ago, I was uh, preaching in the congregation and there was a young lady there. Uh, She was a very, very nice young lady, very sweet young lady. But she had gotten involved with the wrong group of people. And as a result of her association with these individuals... She, uh, she became pregnant. She was not married, became pregnant. But here was one of the interesting things that I observed. And that is, before this time, you could speak to her, and it was just like a, a sparkle in her eyes. She just had, the, she had a beautiful smile and a sparkle in her eyes. After she discovered her situation, that sparkle was gone. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said the devil comes... To rob and to steal. See the devil. The devil wants to take the joy, the thrill, the excitement out of the life of every individual. Now he doesn't present it that way. I think of the words of Moses or Hebrews chapter number eleven. The Bible said Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Because the devil, that's what he wants. See. The devil comes and robs and steals. Now, I don't know how many times your house has been broken into. We lived in Michigan. My wife was reared uh, in the Detroit area. I preached there uh, for approximately 17 years. And we lived, every house that we lived in but one was broken into. I remember one day I, I, I went home and the, the door had been bashed in and the, the kitchen was uh, full of smoke uh, and I found a fella who had passed out in the bathroom. He was drunk. Uh, It was not uncommon. I remember the first time this happened. Uh, We lived in Allen Park, Michigan. Uh, We had gone to Bible study on Wednesday night, and when we came home, someone had broken the window, broken into the house, and I called the police, of course, and they came. and I couldn't find anything missing. He said, "Well, they're looking for three things: liquor, guns, and money." Well, I I didn't have any of that. As a matter of fact, I'm like the the preacher who was living. He was awakened one night by a thief rummaging through his drawers in his bedroom. And it woke the preacher up, and he got up, and he said, What are you doing? He said, I'm looking for your money. He said, Wait a minute, now I'll get up and help you. And so uh, I just didn't have any of these things. It happened a second time. Broke into my house on Wednesday. It happened a third time. I believe that time maybe my wife was at home, and she flipped the light on, and uh, they left. But you know what? It happened on what my my house was broken into on Wednesday night. You know what I did? I got a copy of the directory. I made me a list of people who didn't go to church on Wednesday night. Uh, And I said, one of them's breaking into my house. I don't know which one it is, but uh, some member of the church apparently breaking into my house. See, but that's the devil. Because here's what he wants Jesus said he wants to steal from you. He wants to take from you the pleasure, the joy, the thrill, the enthusiasm, and the excitement of life. Then when you go to the book of Ephesians chapter number 5, and you look at verses 14 through 16, there are several words there that are kind of interesting to me. Awake thou that sleepest. Awake thou that sleepest. He uses another word. He talks about redeeming the time. He talks about walking circumspectly. So when you and I look at Ephesians chapter number 5, and we look at verses 14 through 16, and we look at these words, and Paul is encouraging us, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. Now, most congregations are not, but I heard one preacher, he said, my congregation uh, was so dead, he said, we called EMT and they they examined 25 people before they found the one that was dead. But at any rate, uh, when you and I think about the fact, wake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. What is your life? Do you have a life? When you and I look at this and think about life, I want to give you two illustrations out of the Bible. In the book of Revelation, chapter number 21, the apostle John writes Revelation 21, those first four verses, and John said this, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down uh, from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for the angels. He said, And I heard a voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, that he will be, and I'm paraphrasing this, he will be their God and they shall be his people. And the Bible says that he will wash away the tears from their eyes. There will be no more pain, neither sorrow nor death. Why? Because the former things are passed away. I want you to think about that verse, that section. Listen to what the Bible John said. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I live in a great beautiful world today. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament His handiwork. I do not know where you have traveled. But it, it, I mean, it really doesn't matter. There are so many beautiful places that you and I can enjoy. Uh, maybe you have been to Gulf Shores and you have enjoyed the ocean uh, and you've been in that area and, and what a beautiful area that is. Maybe you have seen the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, maybe you have been on the East Coast. Maybe you have been up, uh, Janet and I visited Bar Harbor, Maine. It's a beautiful place there. Uh, I have been to Niagara Falls, uh, man, and you watch that water as it, as it rolls over. And I have been there when it was frozen over. But it is a beautiful place. When you go to all of these beautiful places, perhaps uh, you have been to uh, seen the Pacific Coast. Maybe you've been to Hawaii. Beautiful place. We were in Maui several years ago. And there is a road called the Road to Hana. Now, maybe some of you have been there. The the road to Hana is about forty five miles. Hana is about forty five miles from Maui, uh, and so when you leave Maui, you're going to Hana about forty five miles. Now, uh, how long does it normally take you to drive forty five miles? Well, somebody said maybe an hour, hour and a half. It took us six hours to go from Maui to the park, uh, the state or park, a uh, national park in Hana. Why was that? The beauty of that area, the, the waterfalls. And, and it just seemed like every, we would stop all along the way uh, to see the waterfalls. You know, when you and I look at this great nation where we live, and we look at the beauty that God has given us to enjoy, let me tell you something. There is no more beautiful place, in my opinion. You can disagree, but you're wrong. There's no more beautiful place in the world to me than, than Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and the Great Smoky Mountains. Listen to what the Bible says. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. This is kind of interesting to me. We lived, again, in the Detroit area. And the church, one of the... Our priest was called the East End Church of Christ. The front of the building was actually in Gross Point, Michigan. Now that's that's where all of your uh, dignitaries live. I mean, you know, it, that's where uh, the the Fords. Everybody lived in Gross Point. That was the place to live. And I would go down Lakeshore Drive. We lived in St Clair Shores, and I would go down Lakeshore Drive to the church building. The back of the building was in Detroit. The front of it was in Gross Point. But it was kind of interesting to me. When I would go to the church building, I would drive down Lakeshore Drive and I would pass Henry Ford II's house every day. Every time I, or every time I would go to the church building, I'd go down Lakeshore Drive, I would pass Edsel Ford's estate. I'd go by this estate and that's where Edsel Ford lived when he was living. I would go by and here was Henry Ford II and his estate. One day... After we had moved from there, went by there, and the Edsel or the Henry Florida state was gone. I thought, well, you know what they did? They tore it down to build apartments. Now I, I think why in the name of common sense, I mean here was a and I know that the fixtures inside that house. Were gold because uh, one of our elders in the congregation where I preached had worked in that house and he said, Larry, you won't believe what is there. Listen to what the Bible says. I saw a new heaven and a new. Earth. Ladies and gentlemen, if you and I look at all of these blessings that God has given to us and we look at the beautiful world in which we live, and John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, descending down out of heaven as a bride adorned for us. If you and I, ladies and gentlemen, could just grasp what the God of heaven has in store for us when he returns again. When you and I think about that, I want you to think about something. have four or five questions. What did he see? What did John see? I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Secondly, I ask this question. What did John hear? Listen to what the Bible says. I heard, I heard a voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. You know, the Bible says a minister of the sanctuary And of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, and not man, that's the church. I, John, heard this voice, behold, out of heaven the tabernacle of God is with God will be with them, God will be He will be their God, and they shall be His people. Can you imagine what He heard on that occasion? Number three, what did He experience? When you turn to Revelation chapter number twenty-one, he said, "No more crying." He said, "No more death." There's all of this. Now it brings me to the fourth question, and that is, what did he leave behind? What did, John said, I, "Here's what I saw." What did he leave behind? He left behind pain. He left behind suffering. He left behind crying. My friend, listen to this. You and I live in a world of pain and sadness. Oh man, I was preaching for the Highland Church in Detroit several years ago. Highland was a merger of three congregations and every day we would have kind of a, a little devotional, the secretary and uh, the uh, custodian of the church and myself, and we would meet in the office, uh, one of the offices, and uh, we'd have donuts and coffee and a prayer and, and a little devotional every day. And so one day we were, we were, at the, uh, we were in the office, and, and uh, the custodian was there, and he, didn't, he wasn't eating anything. He did, normally he'd eat a donut I said man what's wrong what, hey, you're not eating a donut he said brother they, he said I got a, my throat's kind of we We' got a problem and kind of hurts come to find out he had throat cancer just a few months following that I was called about 4 o'clock in the morning I go to Detroit Receiving Hospital and when I got there one of the daughters was there had two daughters and his wife was there Uh, and I called him Woody and at any rate when I I go in they're waiting on the second daughter to come and I stood kind of at the edge at the back of the bed and when the second daughter came one daughter had his hand on one side and the other daughter had the hand on the other side tear came out of each eye and he deceased it was about four in the morning Brother Mark, I'm sure, has experienced this. I'm sure elders have experienced it. I left, and I said to myself, Why do you do this? And then when I read Revelation chapter 21, and the Bible says there's not going to be any more crying, there's not going to be any more death, there's not going to be any more pain. And then when you and I go back to the book of Psalm and God talked about a path of life, then I ask the question tonight, why would any man, any woman, any individual who has common sense even, would reject God's plan of salvation, hear the word of God, to believe in Jesus as a son of God? to confess the precious name of Jesus Christ before men and then to take that old body covered with the fingerprints of Satan's sin that only the blood of Jesus can wash away. Why would anyone want to go through this life knowing all of these things and here is a great, wonderful place that has been prepared? That's what Jesus said. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What is your life? What is your life? When you look at Revelation chapter 21, what John see, what John hear, What did John experience? What did John leave behind? Now I want you to look at another illustration out of the Bible. Go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. The Bible says that there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus that laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. More of the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am tormented in this flame. Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime thou receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, he said, There is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they come from thence that would come to us. He said, Oh, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham... But if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. Abraham said, If they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. How many times have you heard folks say, Well, if we, could, if we just had somebody do a miracle. Ah, huh? Abraham said, I That's not, not going to work. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now I want you to watch this. What did he see? What did he see? The Bible says there's certain rich man clothed in purple and fine linen, Pharisees, every day, a certain beggar named Lazarus, ladies gate full of sores. The boss came to pass, the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torment. And he seeth Abraham afar off. What did he see? He saw Abraham. He saw the bosom of Abraham. My friend, can you and I, it's hard for me to grasp this content. How many times have we thought and and we have said, you know, we we have looked at at someone, their bodies in the casket. We know that that's just the body. But how many times have we looked at something of that nature and, and, bro, they, they look so peaceful. This man lifted up his eyes. And what did he see? He saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. It will be a tragic occasion, my friend, for an individual to live this life having heard the message of the gospel, having heard the plan of salvation, having had the opportunity, and then lift up eyes and see Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. What did he see? Secondly, what did he hear? What did he hear? Watch this: I pray thee, therefore, Father, that you're to send Lazarus, do something, that he will dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. You know what Abraham said? What did he hear? No. No. Well, uh, send him to my father's house. No. No. Well, I've got five brethren there. Let him go te- testify. No. All he heard was no. Did you know tonight? God will welcome you into his kingdom. His blood will wash away your sin. What not only did he see, what did he hear, but what did he experience? He experienced a place of torment. Not only did he experience, well, what did he leave behind, man? He left all. He left all of the the beauty. He was clothed in purple and fine. He fared sumptuously. He left it all behind. Tonight, I'm sure you're not going to make that decision to leave. You'll make the right decision. You're going to make the decision tonight that you're going to obey the gospel of Christ, that you're going to rededicate your life to the cause of Christ, that you're going to serve Him. My friend, get a life. The joy of serving God and doing his will how precious that is i want you to imagine something i want you to imagine that this coming saturday night at 1201 a.m you happen to be sitting up and say i'm going to look at my checking account my bank account and you go to your bank account and guess what you find in your bank account you look at that and you say, that can't be right. I have $168,000 in my account. Man, how, how'd that get there? I've got $168,000. You go to sleep and you don't sleep much. You get up Sunday morning before you come to Bible study and worship. And you I'm going to check that thing out. And you look at one hundred mm-hmm. and sixty-eight. Hmm. dollars Now watch this. At 11.59 midnight or midnight on Saturday night, the following Saturday night, seven days, it's gone. You have a hundred and... Now, listen, let me just... You know what I'm talking about. Every man, woman, boy, and girl... Now, Mark may have more than this, but the rest of us have 168 hours in a week. I have a hundred... Isn't that marvelous? I get a hundred. Now, some of you smart people may get 175. You may, all brother. if you know better than that. Yes, I do. Every one of us in this assembly tonight, every one of us, we have the same number of hours. Now, I want you to weigh these two illustrations out of the Bible, Revelation 21 and Luke chapter number 16. And then, when you look at this, you're going to get this life in obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then, once you do that, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that life? I was... The first work I ever did, I began... I started in January of 1962. The first Sunday in January 1962, Woodland Heights Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Been there about three months... And I got a call from one of the members, and he called me on a Sunday afternoon, and he said, Brother Acuff, my son wants to be baptized tonight, but he would like for the former preacher uh, to, do, to, to baptize him. Would that be okay? I said, sure, brother, that's fine. Brother A.S. Landis had been the former preacher. So they got in touch with Brother Landis. He came that night to our assembly, and this young man uh, responded to the invitation. We went to the baptistry. Brother Landis baptized this young man. I, I was, was kind of on the second step. The dad was right at the top of the step. And when his son came up out of the water, I will never forget this. He, he kind of he said, well, boy, we've got that taken care of. Now, they weren't very faithful. I doubt they'd ever been there on a Sunday night. But he wanted to be baptized that night and they were there. They didn't come to Bible study on Wednesday night. They didn't come to Bible study on Sunday morning. You see, they had this concept or this idea, well, uh, uh, your brother, Cuff, I'll be there on Sunday morning. I want to encourage and challenge us, ladies and gentlemen, having obeyed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you have not done that, I'm sure that you will do it this evening. If you need to rededicate your life, you'll do it this evening, no doubt. And then you're you're going to take that life and get a life. Now, I want, to, I want to give you four ways that will help you. Here they are. Number one, and I apologize. I, I, I'm going to change that to, uh, funnel. That don't look... Uh, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to know where you are going. Now, Proverbs 29, 18. Remember what the Bible says? The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, I've got up there, you can see that I made an elf. Now, let me tell you about that. There's a fellow by the name of Monty Roberts. Monty Roberts, uh, as a matter of fact, he he, he says he can listen uh, to horses. But I want, I want you to go back uh, when he was in high school. When Monty Roberts was in high school, the teacher said, I want you to write a paper that will what you're going to do in life, what you plan to accomplish, I want you to write a paper about this. Monty Roberts wrote his paper and he turned it in and when the paper, a few days later, I asked the teacher to grade the paper and and he got his paper back, on the top of that paper was a great big red elf And Monty Roberts went to the uh, teacher and he said, why did I get an F? He said, Monty, what you have written is not practical for a child or young person your age. What he had done, he he said, I am going to own a 200-acre horse ranch. He had drawn an outline. He had, he had every building that he intended to build. Now, he, I mean, he's a, I think, junior, senior in high school. He had a building uh, all in that outline exactly where he was going to place each one of the buildings, um, 200 acres, exactly what he was going to do. And the teacher said, uh, that is impractical for, uh, your dad is an itinerant, horseshoer. I mean, he worked for farmers, shoeing their horses. They would be in one uh, farm for a while, move to another, never settle anywhere in a long period of time. And the teacher said this is just not imprised. You go rewrite the paper, bring it back to me and I'll change the grade. Monty Roberts took the paper home, showed it to his dad. He said, Dad, what do you think I ought to do? His dad said, Son, I can't tell you what to do. You'll just have to make the decision yourself. He thought about it a day or two. He decided he wasn't going to do anything. He took the paper back to his teacher and he said to the teacher, you can have your elf. I'm going to keep my dream. Go 20 years down the line. One day, this high school teacher were standing in front of a fireplace and above the mantle of that fireplace framed was this paper with the F. And this teacher had brought a group of students out to Monty Roberts Farm. After he had about 20 or 30, after he had what he was doing there with those students and helping them, he called him aside. And he said, I want to apologize. He said, I was a dream stealer. I want to apologize. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we're kind of like the, kind of like the uh, lightning bug. Somebody said the lightning bug is brilliant, but it has not an any mind. It wanders through existence with its headlight on behind, you know. And so, so many times... You and I look at life. We look at the body of Jesus Christ, and we ask ourselves, you know, where where are we going? Where are we going? What are my goals? And I think of Caleb. I love Caleb of the Old Testament. When Caleb and these were, you know, two men, Joshua and Caleb, we can take this land. There are three things I want you to remember. There, there were grapes. The Bible says to go to Numbers, there were grapes. The Bible then says there were giants. And the Bible says we look like grasshoppers. But that didn't deter Caleb and Joshua. Forty-five years, folks. Caleb had that dream in his heart. He had that dream in his mind. I read this. Now I, I I thought I'd like to I, if I were starting no I I would continue to, I would never not preach I love preaching but I would just like I do have a law degree I don't know if y'all are aware of this or not uh, I have a law degree from the the School of Law uh, Judge Judy School of Law I don't know if you ever uh, been to that university but you know what you, you think about it and I I remember this fella he went to law school. He took, the, he took the bar exam and failed it. He was 65 years old before he ever passed the bar. His sons had gone to law school, passed the bar, and were practicing. He kind of helped them, but he was 65. Why? Because. Let me ask you a question. You're, is your dream going to heaven? Your dream going to heaven? Where there's no vision, the people Perish. Do you and I look at our life and get this life that I want to go to heaven? Look at the second thing. And then some. Now, notice the Bible tells us, Matthew 5, number 41. The Bible says, If a man compel thee a mile... Go with him twain. Now, one little boy in Bible school, the teacher had them to memorize that, and the little boy come in. He said, "If a man compelled thee to go a mile, I'll go with him by train." Well, that's not what he says. Go with him twain. In other words, now you gotta you, you look at, at that passage of scripture. These folks were under Roman law. Okay, here's what Roman law said: If a Roman soldier comes by, and he wants you to carry his pack then you are required to carry that one mile. As a matter of fact, you think mile markers are new to us? They had mile markers. And they, they had it marked. And they'd go, well, I'm here, I'm through. I'm, I'm carrying that pack and I'm... Jesus said, if a man compelled you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Can you imagine the Jew who comes down and the Roman soldier says, hey, man, carry my pack. And he picks up that pack, and he began, well, what's it like being a Roman soldier? What's it like doing, what's it like? And, and they keep going, and the soldier. hey, wait a minute, man, you've gone past. Oh, don't worry, let's go on. I'm enjoying talking to you, huh? And then some. West Texas businessman interviewed. Someone asked him, said, what's the, what is the key to your success? He said three words, and then some. And he said, What do you mean? He said, Well, when I was in high school and the teachers gave me an assignment, I did the assignment and then some. He said, when I went to college, I did the same thing. When I got out of college and got a job and I went to work, he said, if they required me to be there at eight, I got there at seven. If they required me to leave or, or stop at five, I stopped at six. When I started my own business, I always gave my customer what they asked for and then some. Do you and I do that? You want to get a life. You want to get a life. You want to hear Jesus say, "Well done, thou good and faithful." Remember Matthew twenty-five, the five, two, and the one talent man. And then some. Are you and I practicing the and then some philosophy as Christians? Get a life. Number three. Try giving yourself away. Galatians 6 verse 10, the Bible says, if we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those in the household of faith. David Dunn, this was probably back in the 70s, maybe late 60s, early 70s. And you can probably find this book, uh, used book. It's called Try Giving Yourself Away, written by a fellow named David Dunn. And all the way through that, what he is doing, he's just, he, is just, he is just giving ideas. At that time, that book, I still have it. As a matter of fact, postage stamp was a nickel. I don't know what it is now, what, 50 cents? I don't know, I don't know somewhere in there. But he's saying it's amazing what you can do with just a postage stamp. Uh, Jerry, uh, I forget, he's uh, out in uh, Long Island, New York. At any rate, he had a son, uh, Timothy, Jerry Hill. Jerry Hill lived in Long Island, New York. He held a meeting for us at the Allen Park Church of Christ several years ago. He had a son by the name of Timothy Hill. Timothy Hill one day was riding his bicycle going to school, come down a hill, and wham, a car hit him and it killed him. And they they began, because of his interest uh, in children and interest in folks and trying to help young people, even as a teenager, they established the Timothy Hill Ranch for Boys. Uh, and his mother, I think it was the next year, wrote a... An excellent book called "Graduation to Glory" uh, about Timothy Hill and what took place. But Jerry held a meeting for us at Allen Park, Michigan, and a couple of weeks after the meeting, he called me one day and he said, uh, "He said, Larry, who is Clara Hall?" And I said, uh, "Jerry, do you remember at every service in the there down the aisle in the there was a lady in a wheelchair?" He said, "Yeah, yeah," and I said, "Well." That's Clara Hall. I said, she, I baptized her in the bathtub. It was in February. I snow on the ground. We couldn't get to the church building, but I was able to get to her house. Some folks took me over there, and we studied the Bible, baptized her in the bathtub. She was a faithful Christian, but she was challenged. She couldn't teach a class. She couldn't walk. Uh, she could only attend services if someone went and got her. And I said, why do you? He said, well, I got a card from her today and a check. And what he had done, he had told us during the week in that meeting that he had taken a group of boys into New York City to go to a Yankees game. They had gone into a restaurant, kind of like a, a crystal, gone in to eat. when they came out, they were mugged. Someone stole all their money and all their tickets. Claire Hall sent him a check and said, take all your boys to a Yankees game. Now, you might not do that. But let me tell you what Clara Hall did. There was not any member of the body of Jesus Christ who had not been touched by just a card that she had sent. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when you and I give ourselves away, when you and I practice as you would that men should do unto you, do you even so unto them, for this is the law and the prophets. That if if I want to get a listen, ladies and gentlemen, these four things I'm suggesting to you, You know, some folks get up in the morning and say, Good Lord, it's morning. Or do we get up and say, Good Lord. Good morning, Lord. Is the day exciting? Is it thrilling? Is it a day in which I, I want to find a way that I can encourage, I can help, I can influence someone else? Have a vision. Practice and then some. Give yourself away. And then number four, this isn't anything new. You've heard this. In Matthew twenty four thirteen. the Bible said, he didn't do it at the end, shall be saved. But you've heard this, Winston Churchill's statement. I'm sure Brother Mark and others have used it here. But Winston Churchill was going to speak at a boys' school, an academy, and the headmaster said to the boys, voice, Sir Winston Churchill's going to come speak. When he does, you... you you want to take notes. Take your pad, your pen. You, you're going to want to take notes. As the illustration goes, Winston Churchill was there that day. He got up before this group of boys. And in that deep guttural voice, he looked out and he said this, Never, 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 never give up and sit down. Listen, folks, and I'm sure you won't, never give up in the Christian life. Obey the gospel. Become a Christian. Do the will of God. Get up every day with the joy and the thrill and the excitement of being a Christian. Do you need to be baptized tonight? Maybe you need to rededicate your life to the cause of Christ. Maybe you need to make a recommitment Oh, maybe you thought, well, I, 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 I'm a Christian, but, but maybe you need to recommit yourself to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's the case. Will you come now while together we stand?